0: Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. While most of the world was commenting on the way Justin Bieber looked, they failed to notice how he actually felt. Justin Bieber recently revealed his diagnosis of not only Lyme's disease, but also a serious case of chronic mono at the same time, which affected his skin, brain function, energy, and overall health. Surprisingly, about 300,000 Americans are diagnosed with Lyme's disease each year, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And unfortunately, Lyme's disease can sometimes be misdiagnosed since some of the symptoms overlap with other conditions. Today, I'm here with Dr. Christy Kossarin, affiliated with Hackensack Meridian Medical Group. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Kosserin. And fun fact, Dr. Kossarin is also my PCP, so we know each other very well. But something I don't know about you is why you chose to become a doctor. Would you like to share?
1: Oh, sure, I'll share. Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, so I wanted to become a doctor since I was little. My mom uh, was sick uh, with breast cancer when I was very young. And just, you know, really watching the way the doctors and the nurses and everyone in healthcare really cared for her just inspired me because it wasn't just, you know, about her, but it was about the whole family, too. So that really just inspired me from when I was little, and I, I always liked science and math, and I just
0: kept going that way until I ended up here. <laughs> yeah, well, we're happy to have you here. So let's dive in. Okay. What is Lyme's disease? So
1: Lyme disease is actually a tick-borne illness. Um, there are a couple of them, but it's one of the major prominent ones in the United States. Uh, what a tick-borne in- illness is, it's not a bacteria. It's something called a spirochete, and it's the name is Borrelia burgdorferi. Um, and that is the most common one here in the United States. There are other ones, there are other ones in Europe as well, but that's the main one you think about when you think in the United States. Um, that will be carried by ticks, and most commonly the ixodes tick, which is found in this area. It's endemic um, to the mid-Atlantic states, to New England, sometimes out in Minnesota and Wisconsin, but very prominent you know, in our area where we live. And they are found out in nature, um and the trees and the grass a lot of people associate them with deer because that's where the deer live and yeah. then mainly they come out in the summertime. so between the may and october is the highest amount of time where you're going to see the most active and really in that the summer
0: months june july when everyone's outside having a good time so what would be the first sign of of lyme disease so if i were to come and visit you what would be your first indication where you're like whoa this girl possibly has Lyme disease
1: so the most common thing that we think of when we think of Lyme disease is that classic rash Uh, in medicine it's called erythema migrans rash but people commonly know it as the bullseye rash and the reason why it's called that and looks that way is because where the tick will attach itself and start feeding outside you're going to get this red very red, um, circular rash, and as it expands, it tends to get uh, it tends to get a central clearing in the middle, giving it that classical bullseye appearance. So, when someone's coming to the office, you know, and they're telling me they've been outside and they ha- they think they had a tick exposure, especially in our area, I'm gonna look to see if there's a rash there the unfortunate thing is only 80 percent of patients will have that rash some people have just a regular circular red rash without the central clearing so you don't want to forget those patients as well and then up to 20 percent will have no rash at all so other symptoms from the lyme disease is you know fevers not feeling well fatigue muscle aches joint aches Um, So you really want to have a high level of suspicion and a patient comes in with any of those symptoms in the summertime.
0: When should I go to the doctor after a tick bite? Because not every single tick possibly carries Lyme disease. So should I come right away or... Should I wait a little while until maybe I see that bullseye rash? Yeah,
1: it's it's tricky. Lyme disease is one of the trickier um, things for patients to know when to come in because there are a lot of ticks in our area and patients mm-hmm. will have them. If you have a tick that's attached to you, you want to get evaluated because that's really the only way that you're going to get Lyme disease. Um, the tick has to be attached to you because they feed off of you and that's how it gets transmitted. So if you have that tick, you want to come to the office. Obviously, if you have a rash or any of those other symptoms we, we mentioned, you want to come to the office because... Because one of two things can happen, you know, we can either see symptoms and and diagnose you clinically with Lyme disease and start treatment, but there's also prophylaxis for patients who have had ticks on them. Usually um, within 72 hours of seeing the tick on you, we can give you prophylaxis treatment, which is just a one-time dose, and that might actually stop the transmission of Lyme disease.
0: My mom used to always say whenever she found a tick on us, she would, she would keep the tick with her, put it in a bag, put it in a cup, whatever, put it in a, you know, one of those containers. Should we keep the tick with us? I mean, there are places that will actually test the ticks for you to see if they have Lyme disease,
1: because obviously if the tick doesn't have Lyme disease, you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of calms down our anxiety then. Um, The the problem is, is that, you know, I'm not an expert in ticks, you know, which one is going to actually have Lyme, Lyme or which one would be at risk. So it really... You can keep it. You can bring it in. You can, if you want to go to one of those places, but it really is about, you know, are you in the right area? Do you have the rash? Do you have symptoms? And then it's a patient doctor discussion on, do you want to start
0: treatment empirically while we see what happens? So mom, when you're listening to this, we do not need to save the ticks anymore. (laughs) Um, We're all good. I don't even know where you would go to one of those places to test them. I'm not sure either. One of the patients last time I remember, came
1: in and said she was going somewhere. I don't remember where she went. It was down um, in the secret area, but I don't know what happened with that.
0: How are you tested for Lyme disease? Is it a blood test or, you know, because you have these symptoms and then you obviously have to figure right. out if that's what it is
1: right so so again it's tricky um it's tr- the testing is can be very confusing and can be tricky as well um so for patients again who have that classic rash with the right onset and a known tick there really is no need to do testing because your body has to develop antibodies um which are reacting to the actual spirochete itself so In that beginning stages, you know, in the first, you know, days to weeks, you're not going to have those antibodies. So if you test then, it's going to be negative. And if if the patient has those symptoms, you're still going to treat it anyway. So it's really in those first stages you would treat. If a patient comes, you know, later down the line, weeks to months or months to years, that's when the testing you might want to do. If they're having, you know, a joint pain that's getting intermittently swollen or they have what's classically known as like the Bell's palsy, where one side of the face is sort of drooping. That's where testing might become a little bit uh, more helpful. And it would be a blood test that would be looking for those antibodies to the Lyme disease itself.
0: Do the symptoms last very long? Because you were mentioning, you know, n- they last maybe a week or two. Mm-hmm. Do they last a long time?
1: So again, there's different, there are three different stages of the Lyme's disease. So the first stage is like the early localized, which we've been talking about basically up until now. Yeah. And that can last a few weeks as well, but with the right treatment, um, which is actually F- a full three weeks treatment, you know, you sh- you should start to feel better within that time frame. There's also then what's called like the early um, disseminated disease, and that's where you get the you know the arth- the, the joint pain, the joint swelling, the facial symptoms, um, and that that can actually happen weeks to months after you had a tick exposure. So, and those symptoms can last for a long time too. And then there's a third stage called the late disease, and that's you know can be weeks to months to even years after you've had the tick exposure where you're going to be having this like in- intermittent swelling in a joint, intermittent pain in a joint that you're just sort of not really sure what's going on. And again, when you, t- that's where the testing comes in helpful, but unfortunately patients yeah could have symptoms for weeks to months and up to years without having proper diagnosis.
0: Wow. So what happens if you end up going untreated for years? Do you continue to feel this way or does it eventually go away?
1: So most patients, once they're properly diagnosed and treated, will have resolution of their symptoms, which is meaning all their symptoms will get better, which is great. Um, But there is something that's called post-Lyme disease syndrome, and that's for those patients who still have symptoms after they're treated. Um, so usually you have to have some sort of documented, you know, di- disease or diagnosis and then you're treated. And then that's for pa- that what that disease incorporates is patients who are still having symptoms of not feeling off, like feeling well, feeling off, tired, mental fog. You know, some neurologic issues, those migra- migrating um, joint pains to different joints and swelling. And that lasts uh, like at least six months after you've been fully treated and sometimes wow. longer than that.
0: Wow. Okay. So I was also reading that depression is also a symptom of Lyme's. So do people with Lyme's disease have depression because of the illness or because... The brain, their brain is changed by the disease?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question and I think it's multifactorial. I think for you know the patients who really start to get the depressive symptoms from the Lyme disease are more those patients who have been struggling with intermittent symptoms for weeks, months, and years and are sort of um, haven't really had a, a true diagnosis, so they've been feeling these symptoms and not feeling right without really knowing what's wrong. And I think that contributes to those feelings of depression as well. Um, there really hasn't been anything that I'm aware of that says that there's any, you know, chemical changes from the Lyme disease causing the depression. You know, some patients do have neurologic complications, but that's more, you know, what we were talking about before, like meningitis yeah. or facial nerve paralysis. Um, you know, things like that. But patients who have that post-Lyme syndrome really do have that mental fogginess, you know, not being able to think clearly, and they're the ones who suffer more from the depression than, than other patients. So
0: how can we avoid, you know, getting Lyme disease and potentially a tick bite? That is important, obviously, (laughs) especially in this
1: area. So the things that we can do to prevent it, you know, in the summertime, if you're going to be outside hiking in the woods, stay on the path. Don't go off the path. If you're going to make sure you're wearing long sleeves or long pants, have them tucked into your socks. Um, Bug repellent DEET is important uh, when you're outside and then um, taking showers, washing off after you're outside, having someone checking the areas that they'll probably be found in, on your scalp, in your neck, uh, behind your ears, even your armpits, your belt buckle, and behind your knees. Those are the most popular regions where you're gonna find the ticks. So you really wanna do a good tick check every day that you're outside in the woods, and just doing some of those preventative measures to try to prevent getting uh, tick bites in the first place.
0: Awesome, so is there anything else you'd like to add that I may have missed? I don't know. I don't think so. No? Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks so much for being here today and talking all about Lyme's disease with us, Dr. Kossner. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday, thanks for listening. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.